Harper to Amen. preach for us. Our uh, uh, relationship uh, grew back uh, a few months back, and it's been good. We've communicated several times uh, since then. It's, uh, it's just been really good. He drove all the way from Toronto to be here this morning just for us, so <laughs> he didn't sleep at all. <laughs> so uh, uh, welcome him this morning. Thank you. Yeah. Open your Bibles to Titus chapter number three. Titus chapter number three. I do appreciate the privilege to be here and appreciate Pastor Hooker giving me the honor to, to preach. Uh, when, you, when you surrender to preach and you serve the Lord, you're glad to go anywhere God allows you to be. And so any, uh, I first started preaching in junior church and actually was some, it was some cows in the back of my parents' house. I started there actually, but, <laughs> but um, I'm glad to be here today. And I pray that this will be a blessing to each one. Now, I've been in Canada in the past 17 years, and uh, there's some foreign object on the back wall that I don't recognize. It's got numbers and some hands on it. Uh, <laughs> does anybody know what that is? Or <laughs> and so I won't, be, I won't be long on purpose. I, I will respect the time here. I was preaching one time, though, at, at my church in uh, Canada, and I finished the guy, I said, man, that was a really long message. And I said, that's okay, you're worth it. And so if you get at any point thinking this is long, just remember you're worth it. And so, but in Titus chapter number three, going to look at something, really just going to preach a, a few verses from Titus chapter number three, but I'm going to call this, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to be your servant today. I thank you for the privilege that I can actually call you my father. Thank you for the love that you shed toward me and the entire world through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Father, it is my desire that you be pleased with uh, my obedience to you today. And I pray that you would guide me through this and that I would, um, you would be before me in my thinking and everything that I say and do would be pleasing in your sight to the end result that what takes place in these next few moments will be everything that you desire to happen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Titus chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1, I'd like you to notice that the Word of God uh, does say this. Uh, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, but, pardon me, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Uh, I love when I read the scriptures, uh, when God, you know, in the way we traditionally handle our church services, we have the invitation at the end of the service, but I, I find the more I study the Bible, that when God is really trying to deal with something of great significance, he prepares a few thoughts to almost to purge our mind to have the invitation in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And if you take just uh, the first verse here, to, uh, to obey magistrates, to be ready in every good work, and verse 2 said, to speak evil of no man except politicians, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I added that, but if we're honest with ourselves, each of us may have an exception in that verse to speak evil of no man. And God has these powerful words that he puts in the scriptures. And when he says something like to speak evil of no man, he actually really means that. Amen. And verses like this, you know, they're very convicting to me because as, as I endeavor to serve God, and one of the greatest things I really attempt not to do is to be hypocritical. And I find, but 
the sad reality is the more I study the scriptures, I, my hypocrisy is actually uncovered, and I have to repent when I see things like this. But God has a purpose, and God doesn't think like you and me, and he really means that we should speak evil of no men, but to be, and not to be brawlers, but to be gentle. You know, because if we think of the reality of how God came into the world, God allowed his son to come into the world, when the world was at its worst, God sent his very best. Amen. And he could have responded with judgment. He could have responded with uh, anger and vengeance, but he responded with love. Amen. As you know, the scriptures, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, but in this verse here, we see a simple but very clear command to speak evil of no men, but to be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And if you're like me, we often think about the condition of the way that the world is. And we hear a verse like that and we think it's bad as it really is, that we're not supposed to speak evil of anyone. Why in the world or how could we ever take that such, a, such an approach? Well, the answer is in verse number three. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived. Many of the people that we desire to speak evil of, they're simply people that have been deceived. And serving divers' lusts, serving many and various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Is that not the world that we live That's in? Right. But is that not the Reiner Harper that is speaking before you today that used to be in that same realm, living after divers' lusts, foolish? My sister's here, so she can attest the foolishness <laughs> that I had. <laughs> and, and living in lusts and pleasures, hateful, even envy. But in verse number four, praise God, there's a but in this verse. Yes, sir. And if you, if you can identify with this but, you can, you can say this is great news. But after the, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Yes, sir. We, praise God, if you're born again today, you did not stay in that condition. You did not say that way, that you experienced the kindness and the love of God and through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here it is when we begin to, it's not really the way, it doesn't happen the way our culture makes us think sometimes. And even in good Bible preaching churches, sometimes we get confused about how this really happens. And it says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. So if you're taking notes today, either mentally or physically, first thing we would like you to draw your attention to is, number one, it's not what you have done. Right. Contrary to what you or I may think, right. it's not what you have done. Yeah. And he says very clearly in verse number five, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. You know, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Bible, Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight, for by grace are you saved through faith, Amen. and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, this was very difficult for me, uh, when I was coming to Christ, because I had a mindset. I was athletic. Uh, God blessed me with the athletic ability. He blessed me with ac academic ability. And I had great confidence in myself and in my flesh. And as I began to understand the Bible and understand the things about Jesus Christ, I kept looking for something that I could do. Yes. 
I kept looking for some way that Reiner Harper could take the glory and say that if when I did came to Christ, it was by some merit or some thing of my own. But the Bible said it's not by works of righteousness we have done. But according to his mercy, and uh, the longer I serve the Lord, I thank God for his mercy. <laughs> and you, once you begin to realize who you really are and before God, you know, one of the things about religion and get Bible preaching churches, sometimes we study the Bible and we find a way to present ourselves before other people in such a way that we never really examine who we really are. And we forget the things that we actually require, the things we actually can do and practice are merely by the mercy and the grace of God. Uh, notice, with, turn and hold your place here. We're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 just for a few moments here or, or push a few buttons to get over there, however you do it. <laughs> but in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul makes a, a very important statement here by inspiration of the word of God and the Holy Host of God, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I'm sure you're aware, you, when you see the word am, that's a state of being verb. And so Paul is saying this condition, this place I have before God, this ability that I have to serve him is not by merit of my own, it's by the grace of God. I have a resting place, I have a strong position. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than there are. Notice this here. Now, this is an amazing statement here. I believe Paul was a very humble, uh, humble man. But there are, honestly, times we can recognize that we are laboring more than somebody else. And he makes recognition of that, but notice at the same time, he does not take credit for that. He said, but I labored more abundantly than they, than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So even in recognition that he may be doing some things a little bit more than somebody else, he understands that his ability did not come from within himself. It came by the power and the grace of Almighty God. And when we see that, when we recognize that, it keeps us from exalting ourselves, lifting up ourselves more than we ought to. I realize, I realize the longer I serve the Lord that in God and his Holy Spirit purges me, I, I've always had ADD. And not by the way you may be familiar with it, but attention desire disorder. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's my nature to desire attention. It's my nature to want to be exalted and to be seen and be lifted up. But that's not, that's not the way we operate in the grace of God. Amen. The grace of God continually says, it's not me, just like John the Baptist said, uh, I must decrease, but he must increase. But in 1 Corinthians 4 also, take notice here, the Bible tells us in verse number 5, uh, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. You know, I, it's amazing how in our lives we always want to figure out where we're at. We want to judge before the time. That's right. You know, um, one of the greatest things about being a parent is that you really don't get that opportunity. Uh, a lot of what you do in parenting, you never have any idea of it's working until several years later. Uh, I remember my mother, the first time she heard me preach, and uh, we were, I think, in Tyler, Texas, and I had preached, and I gave my testimony, something she knew about, something she didn't know about. And they, and they said, Miss Harper, is any, you have a word you'd like to say? My mother took a big sigh, and she said, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> And my mother had a little sewing table where she prayed in the house, and I know she was praying for me often, and, 
And it's by her prayers and the grace of God that I've been able to serve the Lord and not be dead or in, in jail or anything that ever happened to me by. And I thank the Lord for that. But there, I know there had to be times when she was at that sewing table, Lord, what else can I do with this boy? <laughs> what is wrong with him? You know, and, and in parenting, we just go forward. We can't judge before the time. Or we'll give up on ourselves, we'll give up on others, and we'll actually give up on the work of God. So uh, in verse number six, it says, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Now here it is, verse seven. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And now, if thou didst receive—pardon me—now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Right. You know, um, one of the blessings that God has given me is I've been blessed with what some would call a strong constitution. Uh, hardly ever get sick. You know, my wife would tell you we've been married 28 years, and and she can count the times on her on one hand that I've actually been sick you know, where I've been laid up and couldn't do anything. And she mentioned that just a few weeks ago. And, um, but you know, the only problem with that for years, I looked at that and I looked down on other people. When I saw men that were continually sick, I, I figured they were weak or something. And unfortunately, in, in my newly married years, I even condemned my wife at different times that she was sick. And, and finally, I realized one day that this strong constitution, this is not anything I manufactured myself. This is something that was given to me by the grace of God. Amen. And once I realized that I had received it, God allowed me to look back on the times when I actually had been sick and have more compassion than those that are sick on a regular basis yes, and to praise God more for what he had did for me and to use that strength that he had given to me that was not for my glorification. It was to minister to other people. Yes, and, and all the more I think about that, it goes totally in line with what salvation is. It's not what you have done. And it's not what I have done. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Uh, number two, not only is it not what you have done, but it's not what you're doing. It's not what you're doing. Notice verse number seven. It says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, justification, whether you were or not, is basically in simple form, it is your right standing before God. And one of the things I've been amazed in recent years is how many people think justification is probation. And, you know, when we receive salvation, we receive justification. Now, I'm not talking about a license to do anything you want to do, but we receive right standing before God. And, I, and I'm, I'm pretty clear, and I'm sure that the reason I know we don't understand this is because the moment someone is born again or you make say profession of faith or even someone that we really are secure in knowing that they are a, a child of God we live before them as if basically they're on continual trial to prove themselves to us and this is why many times in in church in churches people are uptight one with another this is why we're often not real with each other yes, sir. Even preachers sometimes try to present ourselves as if we never have any faults or any failures. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not that one. <laughs> I do have my faults and failures, but that's one I don't have pretending about. And, but when I really began to understand, when we really, under, and me, when I understood justification, I don't have to pre 
present myself to you. I just have to obey the Lord. Because guess what? If I present myself to you, you know what's going to happen? Eventually, you're going to find out the truth anyway. <laughs> and, 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 when, and you'll be shocked. Well, wow, I thought he was perfect. You know? I can't believe he never made a mistake. You know? and, but we have these expectations of each other sometimes. And how, think about it in your marriage, any relationship you've ever had, how difficult that would be if you always feel like you're being examined by that person. I and mean, we rejoice before God. And many people don't even enjoy their, enjoy their salvation because they believe God looks at them that way. That when he justified them, they're on this trial to produce something, to prove they're saved. They're on this trial to secure the relationship. No, that was secure the moment by faith you gave life to Jesus Christ. And one of the things I know for sure that when I was born, I was my mother's and my father's. <laughs> one of my... Memories I look back on and laugh now is that me and some boys one time were throwing some rocks at cars one night, and uh, and all of a sudden the long arm of the law reached out and grabbed me. That now that's not the police. That was my mother. We called my we called my mom the law. You know, <laughs> my kid, uh, my friends at school said, "Ryan, hey, can we go out and party tonight?" I said, "No, that's illegal." So what are you talking about? I said, "That's against the law." <laughs> but she grabbed me and she took my belt off and whipped me back into the house. But she didn't grab my, the neighborhood boys. She only grabbed me because I was the only one that belonged to her. Amen. Now God, the Lord, and just in the same way, the Lord chastens those that are his. Yes, sir. And, and she did not threaten to disown me. That was never even in the conversation. Right. She was not pleased with my action. I never thought, oh no, I'm ruined. I'm not gonna be my mom's son anymore. I've blown this, I, I can never be uh, son, she's not going to be my mother. My dad's going to be upset. He's not going to be my father anymore. No, that, those thoughts never crossed my mind. Right. I just realized, you know what, I did something dumb. My mother wasn't pleased, and, and hopefully she, she was the only one that dealt with this before my dad got home. <laughs> and, but she loved me and didn't want me to continue to do dumb things or simple things. See, and when we understand that through justification, guess what, not only... When we do something dumb like that, when our brothers and sisters do the same thing, we won't act as if our relationship one with another is threatened. Now, I forgot to ask, but can I tell the truth while I'm preaching? Okay, okay. <laughs> now, one of the most amazing things I realized in, in recent years and discouraging things, anybody been saved longer than 10 years? Raise your hand. Okay. And isn't it tragic? that the most bitter and unforgiving people are oftentimes in church? That's right. That's tragic. You know why? It's because they don't understand justification. Because now, if, if you yourself feel condemned that you're on this continual trial to make yourself to become something, then the moment somebody offends you because you don't have any security yourself, you're going to project that same onto somebody else. But when you actually recognize that, you know what? Against my better judgment, God said he would grant me eternal life. He, against my better judgment, I'm talking about Reiner Harper's judgment, I don't understand why he would do that, but thank God I don't think like him. Right, right. And he would grant me an eternal secure status with him, justify me, secure me, and say, you know what, you're mine, right. period. Amen. Good, bad, or indifferent, you're mine. Amen. And I'm going to love you like you're mine. For all eternity. Yes, I'm not going to leave you. 
I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to be to you like people in the world are. Because what, what real salvation would that be? And this is often why when you don't really understand this, not what you're doing, it's not how you're making this happen, how you're securing this status, is why there's no joy to tell others about this great eternal life that God has to offer. Right. Because you, if you believe you're working to maintain it, although you, we say in words that it, it comes only by Jesus Christ, what joy is that if we don't, if we don't have that real security within ourselves? Right. And the moment somebody offends us, we oh, well, they didn't live up to my expectations. Uh, my pastor told me something years ago, I, and I really didn't like it when he first told me, but I, I understood it more later. He, we were sitting, he was, we, we were having a Bible study class, and, and he said, you know what? The reason I handle life so easily is because I expect everybody to fail. And he looked me right now. He said, I expect you to fail. <laughs> and I thought, but <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm listening. I'm, my mouth's open. I'm like, okay. I'm like, why you invest all this time in me? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. But he said, you know what? But because I think that way, then when you do, I'm not cut off guard. And I'll continue to minister to you to keep you going forward to what God has called you to do. And does not our Savior know that as well? Yes, sir. You know, the Bible, there's a verse in the scripture that says, if we, have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Right. And, and we live in light of that fact, thanking God for his grace and his mercy he gives to us every day. Uh, if you're still in, hold your place in tight, turn to Acts chapter number three. Uh, Acts chapter number three. This is an amazing verse. This, this will help you. Acts chapter number three. Now, we're in the scripture where Peter and John, God had worked mightily through them to heal a lame man that had been lame from his mother's womb. And if that happened today, there, there's, there, there's a crowd gathering and people are wondering what in the world is going on, how this happened, you know. And, and uh, to me, I think this is amazing that God would work through two men that see a, a man lame from his mother's womb. He can walk. If you know the song, if you ever taught in Junior Church, you sing the song, he went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anybody heal a lame man this week? Uh, this brother, no, he almost got <laughs> He knew the song. <laughs> and so that, that, that would say that I haven't either, so maybe our spirituality has just under that a little bit. But notice Peter and John, when they, how they responded to this. Notice verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered to the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye so at this? Now, now catch this. Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Because they recognize that people are looking at them as if they are spiritual giants. The people are looking at them as if they have some, some spiritual capacity that was from within themselves that they developed. They said, why are you looking on us as if it was our power or in our holiness? See, we, it's not, if we do ex great exploits for God, it's not by our own power or holiness. Right. And this is significant, too, because if by the grace of God we are allowed to labor in that capacity, again, we don't exalt ourselves above anybody else. We're just glad to be serving God together. Amen. We're glad to be in the same family Amen. serving God. And, and he, he said... The God, verse 13, because we have to have the answer of where the power, what, how this really happened. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, Amen. whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. 
But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and kill the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, where we are witnesses. Amen. Now, here's the great news here. <laughs> it's, not, it's not our power. It's not our holiness. It's, it's just his name. <laughs> and, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It's just the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. It's not what you're doing. It's not what I'm doing. And, and so why does that matter so much? You know, I, because if not, we'll look to people as individuals as the only way we can ever a, acquire or achieve a certain measure of spirituality. You know, I, I read books from a lot of different people, and, and, I, and I thank God for the discernment and the things that I receive from their experiences with God. I've talked with your pastor here, and he shared different me wisdom and helped me even go through the grieving with my father and different things. And I thank God for his wisdom, him, because he went through it not just a few years, too many years ago himself. And I thank God for that wisdom. But, but when I recognize this, it's not the man in and of himself. That's, that's right. That's exactly but it's just simply the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, and you and I have the capacity, ability to walk with God in whatever realm He wants to do, simply by faith in and through the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ. Um, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Notice what the word of God said in verse number 20. Romans 3 and verse 20. Because again, it's not about what you're doing. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It's not what you're doing. It's not what I'm doing. Now, are you saying we just lay around and do nothing? No, I'm saying we walk with God and walk in obedience to him. But the strength of our position, the strength of how we do things here is never in and of ourselves. It's simply by faith in his name. Yes. Amen. Uh, the Lord showed me something. I should have wrote the scripture down, but the Lord just brought it to mind right now. When, when Jesus had spoken to the fig tree and, and cursed it and, uh, and it and it withered, the disciples came back the next day and they saw that fig tree. Yes. And they said, Master, how soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus makes an amazing statement here. He says, have faith in God. And for years, you know, I, let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying have faith in your faith in God. Right. That's right. Because, see, that, 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 the moment I do that, I've just made it impure. Because the faith of everything I do is in God himself and in the name of Jesus Christ. And if I know who God is, again, because it's not what we're doing. See, our whole relationship is established by grace. God didn't save me because I was this great glowing candidate. God saved me by the grace of God. Yes, and God does not allow me to serve, continue to serve him because I'm a great, phenomenal servant of his. But I think the Bible says his mercy is new every morning. Amen. And thank God for that. He allows me to serve him by his grace, and he leads me by his grace, and he reveals to me things that I can do. And as I simply walk in obedience to what he says, then I can do that which is pleasing in his sight. Yes, sir. And even if it seemed to be something impossible in my eyes, if he has spoken to me, then I can trust in, I can have faith in him, and God will keep his part of the bargain, which is simply honor his word. And that, how much more liberating that is for me every time I'm trying to do something before God to think if I'm strong enough, if I'm uh, spiritual enough. No, it's all based, because if God let us to do it for that moment, then it's his will, and then we can allow it to happen. 
And I'm not saying if you're living in sin, everything's going to work out hunky-dory. If you're living in sin, guess what? God will show you how to get out of that. And it may seem impossible for you, but if you have faith in God, not in your past history, not in your past track record, but if you have faith in God, you will be able to do what God tells you you can do. Um, James 4, verse number 6, you can write this down. Since we're saved by grace, great thing about the scripture, the Bible says he giveth more grace. Anybody saved today and happy about it? There's, there's about ten and a half people, sound like it, but, uh, but I, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but, but thank God for that grace that he gave you. And guess what? That joy and elation that you experience when you receive forgiveness of sin and a relationship with God, he gives more of that. Yes, sir. And so guess what? When you were not saved, you were, you were helpless, and you realized that you were not hopeless because of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Sometimes as we walk with God after a child of God, I don't know about you, but I get in situations still where I feel helpless. I'm, well, I'm, I'm walking in one right now. But thank God I'm not hopeless. And in the midst of that, guess what? He's given me grace to make it through. And I thank God for that. So last of all, since it's not what you've done, it's not what you're doing. It's simply, it's, it's all about your devotion. It's only about your devotion. Notice what the scripture says in Titus. Titus 3. We read verse 7. It said, this is the faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. That's what I've tried to do. I've tried to affirm this very constantly. That they might, that they which have believed in God, notice this, might be careful to main good works. Now, it said, now I'm looking here, I'm not saying, it said maintain good works, but it didn't say anything about maintaining your justification or your status with God. But it says, why? Well, we ask, well, why? These things are good and profitable unto all men. You can write this verse down. I'll just read it, but Deuteronomy 5.29. This is God's heart in the matter. Oh, that there were such an heart in them. They would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and their children forever. The word fear in that context in Deuteronomy 4.29 is, is a respect for God's authority, his opinion, and really, I would say even his care for us. Isn't it amazing? You know, we value other people's opinion over our lives right. more than God sometimes. Yes, sir. That's right. That's exactly Isn't it amazing how you can be sick and before you even pray, you consult Google? <laughs> I'm preaching to myself too now. I'm just to be honest. <laughs> I said, I'm going to tell the truth, you know. And sometimes before you pray, what's this all about? And if you, if you have, what is it, Alexa? Or you, can, you, can even, you don't even have to look at it. You can just ask it. Alexa, what do these symptoms mean? <laughs> or, okay, Google, what do these symptoms mean? You know, in fact, I probably just operated my phone somewhere. And <laughs> you know, be careful when you say, okay, Google. <laughs> but, you know, God says if, if there was such a heart in his people, they would just fear me, that they would value what I say over their lives. Value what I speak over them more than what they speak over themselves or what others speak over them. And they would just keep my commandments God says, I desire this so it will be well with them. And not just with them, but for their children forever. So he says here, these things are good and profitable unto all. You know, um, John 17, um, verse number three, verse one, let's, read, let's turn there. I love this. I love it all. You know, you know, you know every preacher's favorite verse is? The one he's preaching on right now. <laughs> in John 17, in verse number one, 
the word of God says, these, these words spake Jesus and lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son. And you ever think about, when we think about the life of Christ, what it means to glorify, what he's asking here? He's, Jesus knows he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he knows, Father, your glorification for my life is going to take place for me being utterly humiliated, for me to be completely unappreciated, for me to be misunderstood, for me to be mis misinterpreted, and re receive a miserable, humiliating death. This is what Jesus is saying, because he, he knows this is God's will for his life. And he says, um, verse 2, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life, thank praise God, to as many as thou hast given him. But notice verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Amen. See, the whole plan of redemption is so, so God can restore to you and I the relationship that man received when he was in the garden. It's just communication with God, all our needs provided, fellowship with the one who created us. You know, one of the most marvelous things when, when God showed me one day that, you know, uh, since God, the, God is love. Y'all familiar with the scripture? Is that true? And love, love needs an object. So for God to manifest who he really is, he created you and I yes, that he could show that love to. And everything that we go through in life is to show for the character and reality of who God is. And even the eternal life that we receive, it's to know God, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I wrote a note here for myself that sin began when man was convinced that there was something better than living the life that he was created to live. Sin began when man was convinced that there was something better than living the life that he was created yes. to live. Amen. You know, because Adam and Eve had it all. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd love to live like Adam and Eve, man. I'm in the country. <laughs> I mean, in the garden. Hey, man, no clothes. I mean, no fashion statements. Don't have to worry about this. No. Is this label good enough? Is that label good enough? Hey, there's no labels. <laughs> and, and, and it's not sinful. And it's not perverted. It's just natural. You're in the presence of God. That's your created way to be. And, it's, and the same is meant for us today to be natural, not in that sense, <laughs> but, to, but to be real and to be transparent as born-again children of God that we don't have to pretend or yes, present ourselves as something really not. And we actually can walk in the way that God created us to live. Amen. And when you and I actually embrace that, man, it is a blissful time yes, just sir. simply walking with God and hearing his voice. Yes, but you know, when we abandon that, then all of a sudden it's the same as Adam and Eve. When God approaches, exactly right. we don't want to hear that voice. Exactly right. Now, I've been amazed myself through the years that, you know, uh, it's amazing how you can serve God, be in church every day, and still not be right with God. You can find a Bible story, you can teach, and the right, and but not really want to hear the voice of God because you know the direction you're headed. And you know, I can. There's been times in my life, and I'm not bragging about it, but it just there's been times when I've fulfilled teaching the scriptures and and maybe going through a book of the Bible, but been struggling with something, something that maybe I was speaking evil of somebody because of what they did to me, and. And in my flesh, I thought this was a good response. Or that I was justifying the natural response, and God trying to convict me, trying to say, that's not, you know, messing your thinking up. And guess what? I don't really want to open this. 
just for myself and my relationship with him. It gets kind of difficult because what is happening is I want to think, I start trying to have a life that I think is not, that I think is something better than the life that God has called me to live. One of the best things that ever happened to me is uh, several years ago, I was uh, thinking about my wife and my children, and I was thinking, man, I, I really want to be a more loving person. And, uh, and I was thinking about, man, I, can, I want to be a better husband, better father. And, and you know what God did? He sent me some enemies. <laughs> I mean, he, he sent me some people that just took advantage of me. You know, the scripture said, despitefully used you. I mean, I, people slept in my home, and I helped them take care of their children and just treat as off-scouring of the earth. And, but God broke my heart to love those people. And I mean, not just love them, but to weep for them and to beg God to restore them. And I thank God for that. You know, I, and I could have rebelled against that, and, and get, there were people in my corner who said, man, you don't have to take it. Why are you responding like that? Because that's the way my Savior is. <laughs> And that's the life he planned for me. And that's the life he wants me to live. And I experienced peace through that situation because I recognized that although there were voices, just like there was that voice in the garden, that says, yea, hath God said? And that there was a greater voice from John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one toward another. See, so often when we try to live this life, we, we look at what we think about what we've done and we try to prove to other people we're disciples of what we're doing. But God said, no, it's your devotion to him and it's our devotion to each other. Because it's amazing, you know, uh, every church, like my church in Canada has a statement of faith. And we can all take out that statement of faith and we can read it and we can come to agreement. And you know what? And based on the statement of faith, you will be comfortable or maybe reasonably sure that I am a disciple. You may think there's a pretty strong possibility that I'm a disciple, but you know how you'll, you and I will know it? Hey, it's unquestionable if we love God and love one another. Yes. Amen. And that takes a, the working of the grace of God. Exactly. So it's, it's, not, it's not what you think. It's not what we've done. It's not what we're doing. This is a simple, devoted life, hearing God's voice and obeying him. Amen. And, you know, when, and it's, just, it's just for love's sake, you know. And, you know uh, and when it's not this obligatory thing that we feel like we have to do, and it's amazing, you know, God didn't make us robots for a reason. You know, God did not have to put his love on us. You know, he, he just chose to. And he gives us that same opportunity in return. You know, and thank God for that. What a marvelous thing it is to have the opportunity to love God. You know, God's blessed me with a large family, six children, small by some measure. I met a man in Sunday school this morning, had 10, but I'm not trying to catch him. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's a marvelous thing. I told somebody, the other day, I used to hear this even when we had, like, two children. Why would you bring a child into this world in the condition that, it, that it's in? I said that they, that they might get to know God. And see, if, if you know eternal life as it's been described today, then that's good news. But if, you, but if you know eternal life as it's something, well, did you do enough? And if you know eternal life as something, am I, am I doing enough? That's not something you want to propagate really to anybody. And if not, and it's, that's something that you're not really going to even desire to know the God that defined that because 
that's not good news. That's a good deal. Because see, it would be a good deal if God would grant us eternal life based on what we're doing. It would be a good deal if God would give us eternal life based on what we've done. Or I said the verse, but you know what I'm backwards. You know what I'm saying. But it's good news that it's not by works of righteousness right. which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Amen. And the moment your faith is placed in Jesus Christ, He says you're unconditionally mine. Amen. And oh, if we would fear God and recognize his opinion is more than anybody else's opinion, how we would have peace and joy. He really walked his life like we would like to. Close with a simple illustration. You know, we, fearing God is like this, you know, and don't raise your hand, but I would guess there are a few people that maybe you don't take the speed limit as seriously as you do. Now, if I was if I was standing by the side of the road and, and I've got, I mean, you can probably, you can buy any weapons, you can buy a radar gun, I'm sure. And, uh, and, I, saw, and I, I clock you going whatever number of miles you just find your conscience be going over. And I get on my vest and I, I like I'm dressed today, but I have an orange vest just so you don't run me over <laughs> first time. <laughs> and I stop in front of your car and I say, look, uh, I clocked you at going 20 miles over the limit. You're going to look at me and look at what I'm wearing and see if there's no badge around. And, and you know what my opinion of your speed is going to mean to you? Absolutely nothing. And it shouldn't because my opinion of your speeding has absolutely no bearing over your life because I'm not the authority. You know, there are many other people, human beings, that step before you in your life and my life, and they pronounce judgment on all of us to measure up to something. And their opinion should have absolutely no bearing over your life. And can I, can I even help you? Your opinion should have absolutely no bearing over your life, because sometimes we're the worst condemners of ourselves. But what he says about us, and when we recognize that, oh, my soul, the gospel really is good news. Amen. Heavenly Father, 